the kingdom of God is here and we are just going to continue uh, in the part two. Uh, so the part two, I doubt if I would finish that as well. So I've broken the part two of the kingdom of God is here into two. If there is time, I will continue. It is a challenge. It keeps dropping. It keeps dropping. Yes, I guess I'm back. Pastor Ray, can you hear me? All right, so, yeah, so um, I got disconnected. I just got reconnected again. I just reconnected again. So um, I want to continue in the same uh, grace, the same power, the same intensity and understanding and build upon what we've discussed last week. And I trust that um, you will make some notes. They say a short pencil is better than a long memory. And you never know where you will find yourself, where these notes becomes valuable to you. Um, it's 7.41 here. And we looked last week at Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 26 through 28. And I want to just read, read that. I'm going to actually continue from the verse 28. So let me just start reading from the verse 26. Whose voice shook the earth? But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things which are being shaken, as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. The verse 28. Therefore, since Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. With reverence and godly fear. So there are several things we defined last week. We defined um, this, this shaking that is taking place as against the shaking of the earth and the shaking of the heavens and what they uh, represent. We said in the midst of this shaking, the kingdom of God is emerging in our revelation and our level of acceptance and embracing uh, Christ in a new way. There's a scripture in the book of Acts chapter 3, the verse 19 through 21. It says, repent therefore that the times of refreshing that you were promised will come to you that God has held up Christ unto the restoration of everything, that in this repentance, he will send to you the Christ that has been appointed for you. Very deep uh, matters that the Christ that has been appointed for you. In every season of life, there is a revelation of Christ, which is Christ that has been appointed um, for us that we need to discover. So we talk about the fact that um, this whole shaking that is taking place and we put it side by side to the coronavirus and the shaking of the economic system, 
where oil has become almost useless, completely useless, and um, it's continuing to, to tank and fall uh, where there is no help for oil. It, um, political systems have been shaking, um, economic systems broken, health systems disturbed, religious systems exposed, and I think you are following the discussion that is going on in our country currently on even the religious frontier. What is taking place? All of these is giving way for the birth of the revelation of Christ and his kingdom in our hearts, in our minds. And it's the only safest place. So several things we discuss, and I just want to go straight to this evening. And let me read again Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. With reverence and godly fear. So let's this evening say is that the kingdom of God is not futuristic. Make some notes. The kingdom of God is not futuristic. I think somebody asked the question last week. Um, about uh, the kingdom of God. How can we receive the kingdom of God since it is now coming? No. I said last week that the kingdom of God is not, is not now on its way down, but it is coming into our revelation, into our acceptance, into our discovery. The kingdom of God has been there all this while. So the point is that the kingdom of God is not futuristic. It's not something that will happen tomorrow. But the kingdom of God is here and has been among us, has been upon us right from the onset of the unfolding of God's purposes and intent. Right from his very um, 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 first instance of putting the earth together, putting man together, he put man in the Garden of Eden. So in one of the things you can do is go back, read Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and put it side by side to this conversation. Because when God created man, he put man in a garden. It's very symbolic of the heavens. If you look at Isaiah chapter um, 51, the verse 16, it says, For he has covered you in the shadow of his hands, and he has put his word in your mouth. And he's speaking to us, humanity, that he will plant the heavens. Jesus Christ um, came because Adam lost the kingdom to Satan by succumbing to the deception that Satan brought uh, to uh, his way, uh, Adam and Eve. So the kingdom of God is not futuristic. The kingdom of God is here and now and has been upon us and has been the heart cry of God throughout generations upon generations. I can go back and start proving this to you. Now, in the book of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, God clearly stated that he wants a kingdom people, a people in chapter 19. God said he was choosing the children of Israel to be a kingdom priest. Right through the generations, God has sought to establish a system that is elevated above every other system. Adam failed. Jesus Christ came back to redeem and deliver the kingdom into our hands. 
So the kingdom is not futuristic. Some scriptures you could look at is Mark, Genesis chapter 1, the verse, uh, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And then um, Isaiah chapter 51, the verse 16, Isaiah chapter 9, the verse 6 through 7. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and of the increase and, the, and of his government and peace there shall be no end. Um, you can look at Matthew chapter 4, the verse 17, and then Matthew chapter 11, the verse 12. The kingdom of God is not futuristic. The kingdom of God is right here and now and among us. We are going to define it again. We'll define what the kingdom of God is again. The secondly, let's also say that the kingdom of God is not an existence to be experienced and or attain after death. The kingdom of God is not that existence of life. It's not that realm of power. It's not that place of experience inside God which you come into only when you die. The kingdom of God is right here among us. Jesus Christ said in the book of Luke that the kingdom of God is in your heart. Jesus Christ said, when I cast out uh, demons um, among you, the kingdom of God is right here among you. In the book of Matthew chapter 4, the verse 17, the Bible says Jesus started preaching and he said that the kingdom of God is near, is right here among us. So the kingdom of God is not something you are going to experience when you go to heaven, but the kingdom of God is available for you and I to experience now, not tomorrow. The fullness, the power, the tremendous provision, the boundless nature of the kingdom is right here available to you and I that we can plug in and latch onto, lay hold of, experience all of its tremendous power so that we can accelerate the purposes of God forward, shift the world to where God wanted to be, not allow satanic men, not allow politicians, not allow doctors necessarily to shift the world where they want it to be. Not allow a group of pharmaceutical elites who probably would determine that today let's release this disease into the world and let's produce a vaccine and drive the nature of the world to where it's supposed to be. But the believer who has embraced Christ and his kingdoms, the kingdom and fullness begins to bring to bear kingdom solutions innovative ideas for health health problem solution made in heaven for all of health problems made here so that we can shift the course of humanity to where god wants it to be redemptively to where god wants it to be so it is not something you are going to wait and it's not just an atmosphere you're going to sit down and you experience tomorrow let's advance forward let's begin to define what this kingdom of god is and all so last week, I think I said um, something like the kingdom of God can be defined as the domain of God's uncontested rule. The domain, 
That word domain is important. It speaks of territory. It speaks of space. It speaks of a defined environment. The domain of God's uncontested. That word uncontested is also very important. That is the domain of God's uncontested rule. You can't reject it. You can't fight it. The Bible says, For I lay a stone in Zion. He that falls on the stone shall be broken. Upon whom the stone shall fall shall be grounded. The kingdom of God is God's uncontested, cannot be fought, cannot be rejected. It's not an opinion to be considered. It is uncontestable. We said something like this last week. Now, furthermore, the kingdom of God is the preference of God. What God likes, what God prefers, what God wants, what he desires. In all aspects of humanity, what God wants, desires, he prefers, which supersedes all forms of preferences in the earth. Desires by husband and wife, desires by husband or wife, desires by children, government, systems of the earth, the kingdom of God supersede all of those desires. It is what God wants and desires that reigns. I'll give you an example. In the book of Daniel, um, chapter 2, it says that he is God who reigns and rules in the, I think the verse 44, who reigns and rules in the affairs of men. He appoints kings, he removes kings. He set the number of days that they should, they should run, they should live and, and influence the earth. He determines who sits on the throne. He determines who is removed. He determines at what time they function and what happens to them. All of humanity is subject to the preferences of God. Now listen to this. Let me give you an example. And I, 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 I've gotten to a point where there are several things within Christianity that does not attract me anymore, does not fascinate me anymore because um, many of those things are cheap and empty. So I, I've arrived at this place where I've determined and said, I want the teachings that I do to be practical, principle and practical. In the book of um, uh, Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says that if we walk, if, sorry, if we are in the spirit, then the ESV version, the English standard version says that if we live in the spirit, then we should also keep in step with the spirit. Christianity, what we have embraced, we have embraced is both mystical and practical. Is both mystical and practical. So I have arrived at this place where I have tailored my teachings to be more and more practical, more and more practical. So we are saying that it is God's preference over every system of, of humanity. The kingdom of God is the extension of God's rule over all affairs of man, over all affairs of man, whether we like it or not, the kingdom of God reigns and rules. So let me give you an example 
of God appointing kings and removing kings and setting their days and not. I think in the book of um, Daniel chapter 7, Belteshazzar had um, a vision and this vision was an open vision where he was sitting among his um, um, uh, princes and uh, uh, counselors and satraps and the rest. And the Bible says that a hand appeared and began to write on the wall, Menel Ufasin and all and all and all and all. So the king was perplexed, confused, and shaken. Now, a simple hand appeared and writes on the wall. Who will not be terrified? So the king sends uh, for Daniel through the advice, I think one of uh, either the, uh, the, the, the king's wife or something, that there is a man in your father's kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and the spirit of excellence dwell in him. So this man, Daniel, was invited. When Daniel came on the scene, he said, um, the writing means God has evaluated, he has weighed, he has checked. Is it Daniel chapter 5 or chapter 7? We, we could check it. Whilst I'm talking, let me just quickly refer there and be sure. Menem, Menel, Ufasin, and all and all and all. So, um, that is Daniel, Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. And the inscription was Menel Tekel Ufasin. So Daniel comes in and Daniel begins to interpret this. And it says that it says that this is the interpretation of I'm reading the verse 26 of Daniel chapter 5. This is the interpretation of each word. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom. It's a it's a it's a it's a good translation, but still sloppy. Numbered, evaluated. God has evaluated, He has numbered, He has determined how long you would you would sit on this throne. He has evaluated all that you do in your kingdom. Now remember that this king had taken the golden vessels that his father um, Nebuchadnezzar had brought from um, Jerusalem, from the temple in Jerusalem, put in their treasury, and he called for wine, and they were celebrating in this. And this has been the nature of the existence of the earth, where um, it's, a, it's a system where the golden vessels of God have been oppressed for centuries and generations, and it is almost never ending. But the handwriting of God is beginning to determine things in the realms of man, saying, I have measured your kingdom I have measured the systems of the earth. I have measured the systems of polit polit politics, um, economics, education. And let's continue to read. Mene means God has numbered. And he's, that mene is applied two times. Mene, mene. I have evaluated, numbered, check your kingdom. Check all that you do. I have evaluated, measured, and checked your kingdom twice. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. That is it. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Now remember that here is Belshazzar. Is it Belshazzar sitting on the throne? Yeah, Belshazzar sitting on the throne. And Daniel, who is a prophet of God, an apostle of God, a pastor, um, a preacher of, of the kingdom, one who is set inside the heart of Babylon, who is not desiring to fly away, but who constantly opens his window towards Jerusalem and looks towards heaven 
And when the doors were locked and shut down, he is constantly hooked and connected back into Jerusalem, heavenly kingdom, and he is pulling power and grace from that such a place while living right inside the political system of the earth. I'm speaking to somebody. Maybe you are afraid as a believer, strong, with full of ideas, to go into political systems and influence it. This is for you. Maybe you are afraid and you have lost confidence in the fact that you cannot express this destiny that impacts upon humanity. This is for you. Daniel, right inside, maybe a man of God, and you think that the calling of God just ends behind the pulpit. It goes beyond that. This is Daniel, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, and vision seeing interpreting dreams and enigmas and mysteries here he stands right inside political system here he stands in the banking hall here he stands as a teacher he's wearing his tie and he's explaining economic theories and influence and advices of government and all Menel, Menel, and his advice to Belteshazzar concerning his reign and economic system is that God has checked your system evaluate it, he has numbered it, he has, he, has, uh, he, has, he has rendered account and he has said this is the end of your kingdom. He has finished it. That is one key example. Now you notice that while Daniel continued to speak, while Daniel continued to speak in this matter, the Bible says that the joint of the king was loosened. He got an instantaneous diarrhea whilst he is the king on the throne. Take, for example, the most powerful president on the earth. You stand before him explaining all kinds of things that affect the society and visions that he has seen, dreams that he had had, which he cannot um, explain, perplexities of the coronavirus, which you are bringing to bear knowledge and understanding. And this king, as he stands there, in all of his confident and, and, and pomp and pageantry, royal, royal pride, he gets an instantaneous diarrhea. The question here is, who is sitting on the throne? Is it Belshazzar or is it Daniel reigning and ruling with his God or allowing God to reign and rule through him and him to reign for, uh, rule for God? So the kingdom of God is God's preference in every aspect of humanity. It extends over all affairs of man. The kingdom of God we talk about domain, is God's meter country. It's a territory over which Christ rules and reigns. A territory over which Christ rules and reigns. Where people love and obey him as their king. Keep and execute, remember this, keep and execute his law and live by the constitution of the kingdom. We can come back and consider all these, the constitution of the kingdom. When we talk about legitimization, how do you enter into the kingdom? Where we talk about citizenship, when we talk about our identity, purpose, and all, where we embrace God's household rules and kingdom economics without any question, without any question. The kingdom of God is therefore not a democracy. I said this last week. The kingdom of God is not socialism. It's not communism. Name it. Any other system that exists. The kingdom of God supersedes all this, these systems. So then, let's ask ourselves one question. 
when Jesus Christ came, I'm skipping a number of things. When Jesus Christ came, what was his purpose and intent? If we say, or if we are saying that the kingdom of God has been his expression right from Genesis chapter 1. And he put man in the garden to man it, turn it, nurture it, work it. The Bible says, if you read chapter 2 of Genesis, from the verse 1 down, God created everything and he never created man simply because um, he, he, he never created man simply, uh, he, he never created um, um, uh, he, the garden, the Bible says that there was a mist that went out and the garden, the garden sprang up and all and God never allowed rain to fall until he created man. If you read carefully so the verse 7 of chapter 2 says that God molded man and breathed into him the breath of many lives. And then he put man in the garden. In the verse 15, he says that watch over it, tend it, measure, uh, manage it, and all. And that word manage is one of the meaning of the word dominion in Genesis chapter 1, the verse 26. Which we, when we go to kingdom school, we come back and look at the, the I think it's about 7 or 12, mean, 12 different words that means dominion. And why would God tell man from the very onset of perfection and, and, and sublim, sublimity, where there is serenity, it says subdue, subdue the earth. Why would God say this to man? So God did everything in Genesis to put man in the garden. And the, the word garden is the word gun. Is the word gun in the Hebrew and it means an enclosure. It is the presence of God. It is the extension of God's kingdom and rule inside the earth. And like I said earlier in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16, that God's intent for, for man was to extend and expand the influence of that garden across the nations that were going to spring up in the earth. But Adam failed. Let's push further. So the kingdom of God is it's a colony. It's a meter country. It's a colony. Now, God has brought you and I into this earth to create a colony for him. And that colony is beyond, is beyond democracy. That a colony is beyond socialism and communism. It's beyond every political party. It's beyond every religious system, every church system. Is beyond every denomination. Is beyond every clan. Let's push further. So what was Jesus' purpose when he came into the earth? Now, I'm going to read to you a scripture that I think you've never read before. That's, that is just for laughs. You probably might have never read before. And that is John chapter 3, the verse 16 through 17. And I'm sure you've never read this scripture before. I'm sure you've never seen, you've never seen this in your Bible before. And let's read it. It says, for God so love man. I don't know if I'm correct. If you look into your Bible, it says, for God so love the world. And that should just make you hang on a minute and ask, why not man? For God so love the world. The purpose of Jesus one. For God so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, now look at, look at this dichotomy. God loved the world and whoever, what is the world and who, what is whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world 
to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Very important words here. We're going to consider. We consider the word world. We consider the word who, who, whoever and link it to world. And then we would consider the word save in these verses. And I read it again. I read it again. The Bible says once more. The Bible says once more. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I thought Jesus came for me. I thought it's because he, God so loved me. That is why he sent Jesus Christ. But this verse is telling me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed should have everlasting life. For God did not send his, word, his son into the world to condemn the world. Now remember, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him will be salvaged saved will be sozoed will be delivered will be restored and we come back to to that word save so what is this word world that god so loved the word here the word here is cosmos the word here is cosmos like somebody's name cosmos C-O-S-M-O-S, cosmos. Very interesting word. Now, he didn't say God so loved the F. He didn't say God so loved man. But he said God so loved the world, which is broader in scope than the earth. The word earth is actually the word fiera in the Greek. But the word world is the word cosmos. And this word simply means governing systems and arrangement of life. I want you to take careful note because this is where our, our understanding of um, kingdom practically to bear upon our environment and how do we partner with God for his rulership to continue. The kingdom of God is here. And Jesus came for the saving of the world for, um, um, to deliver his kingdom in this world. It means governing system and arrangement of life. And it simply means the world systems, the world systems, controlling systems like banking, politics, insurance, systems of work, economics, um, uh, name it, marriage, even though God ordained marriage, but we have a certain worldly system of marriage where in certain traditions of the world, you find husband and wife going into orgies and they don't know the difference between the sanctity and the purity of marriage. So they go to orgies where in certain jurisdiction, people say, I have an open relationship. So I am married but my wife understand or my husband understand that I can continue to indulge in all kinds of things. I have an open relationship. Even, even people who are dating are doing this. But the people of the kingdom, the Bible says that God so loved the governing systems and arrangement of life, systems of the world, of controlling systems, banking, politics, marriage, insurance, and all. The Bible says God so loved the world. What does it mean, the world? The word world means powers and rulership system. 
powers and rulership system. Now you will come to understand why God loved the world. Let's go further. Why did God love the world? And what does that word world means? The word world means various constitutions of the earth. Various constitutions of the earth. The word cosmos, it means children, adolescents, adolescents, adult, um, 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 old, and all. The word constitutions of the earth that God loved also means hospitals, schools, and uh, banks, and shopping malls, sports centers, mosques, church as we know it, cathedrals, various constitutions of the earth. God so loved the world, it means the inhabitants of the earth. Various individuals who inhabit any particular location or place of the earth. The Bible tells in the book of Acts chapter, I think chapter 11 or chapter 17, that out of one man, God, out of one blood, God created humanity and set the boundaries of their life and how far they can go. And that God set it so that through, through that, they will be able to discover and find him God. Various individuals who occupy different regions, different aspects of life, states and country, cities, and uh, estates and hostels. God loved the world. It means the people group, people group, youth, students, traders, uh, politicians. Now remember, systems of politics is not politicians. It's a system that is built and, and um, uh, people influence it. It's a system that people perpetuate. People continue to hold up. People continue to drive forward. People continue to actualize. The, the Bible says God so loved the world. It means uh, human families, people link, clans, and tribes, and all. So ask yourself, why would God so love this world and that he would want to save it? He would want to save it. Let's go back to that verse we read in John chapter 3. So he so loved the world, he sent his son, and that the son will not condemn the world, but through, but through the son, the world might be saved. Through his son, the world might be saved. Through his son, that the political system must be saved. Through his son, that the insurance system must be saved. So some of you are insurance brokers and ins uh, insurance expert and, uh, and maybe politicians and bankers and, and um, uh, we are pastors and apostles and all. That God is saying that through his son, these systems of rulership power, of demonic rulership arrangement, principalities and all, will those systems will be redeemed will be saved is because the system is corrupted is because the system is falling apart is because the system is not delivering the intent and the full end of god the system has collapsed into decay and destruction and continue to destroy humanity and continue to destroy humanity and i'm going to i'm going to just take you through um, a comparison then I come back to talk about why would God want to save this world and how does he want to do it and that may be our next discussion um, next week how God wants to do it because Jesus had a purpose 
And his purpose is, I have to change this system to suit my kingdom. Remember Isaiah chapter 9, the Christmas verse we always read, but I read it in any time of the year. And any time I read it, it is Christmas for me. Simply because, Bible says, for, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That when he comes into the earth, the very first thing he wants to touch is the systems of rulership and government and power, which is polluted, which has become demonic. The systems of control, which has destroyed humanity. So let's look at some comparisons quickly. Some comparison quickly. Some comparison. Let's look between the kingdom, just some brief selected ones. The kingdom, comparison between the kingdom in the world and governing systems. What is the difference? Why is God interested? When we look at the kingdom, it is described as the kingdom of God. Now, somebody asked a question last week, and I did explain something about the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. I think one of the assignments I'll give everybody today, let me just drop that before I continue. That assignment will simply be, I want you to try and do a research before uh, next week. Find out the difference between, uh, there's some other addition. Why some parts of the Bible, particularly the book of Matthew, talks about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. But when you go to Mark and the rest, they talk about the kingdom of God and, 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 and all. So, Find out why Matthew uses the word the kingdom of heaven and um, uh, why the other books are using the word, the, the statement, the kingdom of God. There is, there is something you will discover that I believe will help you. So, when we look at the kingdom of God, it is the, we, we look at the kingdom, it is the kingdom of God. When we look at the world system and uh, the world and the systems, the cosmos, the systems of arrangement, it is the kingdom of Satan. We look on the kingdom and we are seeing the kingdom of heaven. But we look on the other side, we are seeing the kingdom of darkness. We, we, and these things should begin to make Im, Im, implications, uh, bring about grave and arose deep in your heart, a great sense of concern. A kingdom of darkness. When we look at the kingdom, we see the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians talks about it. Then you look at the other side, you are seeing the kingdom, the kingdoms of the world. The book of Revelation talks about it. That the Bible says that and the kingdoms of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we look at the kingdom, there is a king and his name is Christ. That is why we said it's a theocracy. I'm taking my time to take it step by step and I'm not rushing and being loyal to my notes. The kingdom has a king. That is why it is the domain of the uncontested rule of Christ. When we look on the other side, it is ruled by the devil. The satanic kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdoms of the world, the cosmos, the arrangement, the people groups, the various constitutions of the earth, the powers and rulership systems, the politics, insurance are polluted. And I'll explain why they are polluted. Let's go further. That kingdom of the world is ruled by self. 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 And there are a lot of born again, born again believers, stone talking, blasting, demon chasing, but ruled and governed by self. Me. I, 
I, me, I, I. It's all about me. Driven by self, greed. That system is driven by greed, is driven by fear, is driven by evil. The gift virus, greed, fear, evil, drives it. But in the kingdom of the liberty of Christ, it is pure freedom and liberty. Bible says that in him we live and move and have our being. Let me go further. And I said earlier, it's a theocracy and it's not communism, it's not democracy, it's not socialism. Let me give you some very good example. I don't know if I mentioned it last week. Genesis chapter 1. Oh, my time. Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> Let's look at something very interesting in Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bible, and I encourage you to always do so, Genesis chapter 1. And if I go down to, um, yes, 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 the verse, good, the verse 5, the verse 5. It says, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning, the evening and the morning were the first day. I want you to take note of something. The evening and the morning were the first day. Then go to the verse 8. God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the, sec were the second day. Then if you go further, you will see again the evening in the morning, I don't want to, because I want to manage my time, I don't want to go further. So the verse 13, the evening and the morning was the third day. If you go further, the evening, that's the verse 19, the evening and the morning was. Now the question you should ask yourself, how does God work? The system of democracy is you talk some and I talk some. I have my opinion, you hold on to your opinion, I have my opinion. We share ideas. The system of theocracy says that I have my rule and your opinions are not welcome. The system of democracy says that sleep in the night, wake up and life starts in the morning. The system of the kingdom says that the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning, second day, down to the third day. Then on the seventh day, God rested. Now you realize that the system of the earth runs by I want to do, me, I, and a different time clock, morning and evening. But the systems of the system of the kingdom runs by evening and morning. That life is lived from the place of God's rest. That if even we are working, we work from the place of rest, not striving, not torment. So you see why we are growing old very early. If you look into my hair, my hair is gray and I'm not yet 50. Because I've lived in a system that seems to imprison me, that says that I'm just, I'm joking because some people can be gray even from age three. But the point is that we are full of stress, we are full of torment, simply because 
we live by the world system and we are constantly falling sick. But God says that live from the place of rest, evening and morning. And it is the nature of God's working that even when he started creating, this is, the, this is a fundamental law in the kingdom. That is the kingdom and the earth is hinged on rest before work. Not to work before rest. I leave that with you. Think about it and ask questions and research. The kingdom, fundamental law for human existence is not work and rest, but it is life lived from the position of rest. I can start going through the Bible and tracing the place of night and day, night and day, evening and morning, and you'll be amazed the results that are generated when men come from the position of the theocracy of God, the government of God, not democracy, not democracy. So we are falling sick, we are dying early and all. We have to discover, when we come into the kingdom, I wrote something on my, my wall. When you come into the kingdom, you discover yourself and you never for one moment want to return to that system, system of democracy that imprisons you. That even like Daniel, as you live in that system of democracy, you are able to live out of the world of God powerfully. And you are restful whilst every system is stressed. The kingdom of God is command-driven. Command-driven. But the kingdom and the systems of the world is need and choice-driven. I have the money. I have the money so I can do this. The fact that you have the money does not mean, for example, you see a lot of preachers going on radio, okay, I want to be popular and all, and I want to do this and then flyers and all. The fact that you have the money to go on TV and radio does not permit you to be on radio or TV. That's just an example. The fact that you have the resources and you can buy anything, travel anywhere, start any business, marry any woman, marry any man, buy anything you want to, you want to buy, that's not mean you can buy it. The kingdom of God is command-driven. When we come into the kingdom, things does not stick into our hands. I'll come into that very shortly. <laughs> Finances, for example, does not stick into our hands. That we understand why resources have been placed into our hands. Why God gave us business acumen and ideas to be able to do the things that we do. Not because we have the money so we can do things. And I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, people will live like, I feel like. One moment, I feel like I don't love this lady. Another moment, I don't feel like. So I want to quit. The kingdom of God is command-driven. And when it comes to marriage, for example, he says, I hate divorce. I desire godly offspring. So it is not like I feel like, so I want to quit my marriage. Who told you? When you live inside the kingdom, you are under command and you have to oblige. Failure to comply, there are a lot of consequences and detriments. When we come to the kingdom and we look at issues of economics, for example, and financing, the kingdom of God, the world says that when you save, we give you interest and you get back what you have saved plus some interest and dividend when you make investment. But the kingdom says that it is driven by giving. And when you give, the, the, listen to this scripture in Genesis chapter 8, the verse 22. It says that 
uh, as long as the earth remains, seed time. Seed has a time. The time you sow the seed, you give, there is. But harvest is not bound by time. When it springs up, it is boundless and it is endless. The word system says that when you give, you get what you give. And when you withdraw, that is it, finish. When you save, you get what you give, give. You've, you've given or you've saved. The system of the kingdom is driven by giving. And that when you give, God blesses. And there is nobody that invests in the economy of heaven that does not gain. That does not gain. The system of the world says, hold, keep, hold back. Think about yourself. The kingdom says, give, and it shall be given back to you. Press down. Just imagine, you give one CD, you give 500,000, you give 500 Ghana cities, you give 1,000, you give 2,000, and God says, press down, shaking together, running over. It surpasses your 1,000 that you gave, your 100 Ghana, you gave, your 50 Ghana, you gave. And that is why we have to take giving serious because it's a kingdom principle, it's not a church issue. The kingdom of God financing, for example, is driven by the economy of heaven, the boundless nature of the economy of heaven. Psalm 24, the verse 1, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Psalm 50, it says that gather unto me all my servants who have entered into covenant with me by sacrifice. It says that a cattle on 10,000 hills, they are mine. If I am hungry, I will kill and eat. It is driven by the economy of God that is not bound by time. That economy is bound by something called eternity. Ah. And the world system says it's driven by loan and interest. Collateral. And God says that when you come into the kingdom, I can finance you. <laughs> Let's move. The kingdom of God is driven by debt cancellation and restitution. The other side of the world is demand, is, is demand notice and stress calls and all. So this is why I said, why does Jesus come to deliver the systems? Let me finish up. The system of the kingdom is driven by the position of rest, which we've just considered in Genesis chapter 1. Take time. Go through Genesis chapter 1. See the nature of God's working. Come to chapter 2. When man, God breathed into man the breath of life. In fact, I told you, I don't know if it's you or where I mentioned it, that the word is the breath of lives. Hayim. H-A-Y-I-M. is a Hebrew word, Hayim. When God breathed into man the breath of many lives, when man opened his eyes, what was the first thing he saw God doing? He never saw God working. Hmm. He saw God the seventh day in a position of rest. I want you to think about that. That God taught man how life ought to be. That if we are even going to work, and work is part of man, because God instructed man to work. But the toil, the struggle came after the fall. That you would toil and swear to eat from the brow of your, from the brow of your eyes you shall eat. It is the curse. So if man begins to walk in that environment of striving and struggle and all and all, no, no rest, no inner rest and peace within yourself, 
what happens to you is that you are operating under that system of curse. When you are supposed to take life serious but easy from the position of rest, because the first thing man saw God do was resting. Another thing man saw of God, which is basic, which I talk about in the prophetic, is that God spoke to man. And man did not go to any school to understand God. The very first instance, God spoke to man. So we have to design new ways of hearing God and and feeling God and knowing God. I pray in the name of Jesus that an impartation of the Holy Spirit will be released to everybody. Father, I ask that you would take of me and release this revelatory capacity that you have placed in me. That prophetic capacity that even looks into scripture and begin to pinpoint things according to divine order before the existence of man. Father, I ask that it to be released to my people right now in the name of Jesus. Let me try. Ah, I can't finish this, but let me try and let me try and wrap it up. Let me try and wrap it up. The, 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 when we look at the system of health, for example, in the kingdom is driven by divine health, but on the other side is called health insurance. <laughs> it is called cash and carry. But in the kingdom, it says that by my stripes you are healed. Come on. And it is now, why would Jesus, the Bible says in the book of John chapter 3, that for God did not, the verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the system that is ruled, influenced by demons, the system of politics that is ruled by systems of greed, darkness, fraud, fear, intimidation, communism, but it is that these systems will be, will be delivered. Take, for example, you take a loan from the bank. Let me tell you how polluted the system is when we compare the financial system of, of, of the kingdom and the world. You take a system of banking, for example, you take a loan and you lose your job. You miss the first payment. You miss the second payment. What do they do? They continue to calculate the interest. They continue to calculate the interest. They don't care. The next thing is if you cannot pay, they come after your collateral. They put a lien on it. The next thing is that they put it on the market for sale. That system is satanic. And these people, their policy, so it's our policy and our rule. It is full of demons. You get into a mortgage, for example, and you keep paying till your, you die and your children continue to pay. But when you come into the kingdom, it says that you shall not exert usury, interest, from your brother, your neighbor. So there has to be new systems of kingdom and banking. There is Islamic finance, uh, Islamic, Islamic uh, financial laws. How about the kingdom financial laws? Where are they? Where are the kingdom finance people? Who will be able to bring out kingdom financing laws and all where we can run a system adequately and empower our people till everybody begins to break free financially. Ha. I read a scripture in the book of Isaiah. There's no time to, to come into that. God began to speak seriously concerning his own people, how the system is corrupted and broken and dead and evil. As a result, he was going to punish them simply because of the system of usury and greed and many more things. Many, many more things. Many, many more things. Later, we can look at that book of Isaiah. Take systems of health 
You go, you do not have the money. They say what? You pay. If you don't have the money, you die. My God. God says in the system of health, he is Refika. He is the one. He is the one that teach and mend your body. He teaches and mends your bodies. He is the one that teaches and mends your bodies. I am releasing faith to you right now that you will shake yourself and come into the place of faith. When you look at the system of the government of healing in the kingdom, what does it say? He is not just the one that heals your body, mends your body, stitches it together. But he is the one that removes the root, the very thing that causes sickness and disease. It's a system of life against a system of death. It's the law of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law and the power and the government of sin and death and systems of darkness. This is why you ought to break free and start your own enterprise and be able to govern your life very well and non-stress. I pray in the name of Jesus. I remember a few years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, Pastor Ray sent me somewhere uh, and I was ministering in this church and uh, I picked one gentleman. I look at the gentleman. I say, gentleman, I'm somewhere standing at Cape Coast and I'm seeing this idol and blah, 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 blah. And then I'm seeing your finances caught up, caught up under this. I'm seeing a lot of money under this idol and I rebuke over you every loan and bank interest that I've tied you and debt. I cancel it in the name and come and see this man and the wife screaming amen, amen. They are tied up by what I saw in debt. I release right now in the name of Jesus. I cancel every debt. I tap into the bank, the endless opportunities of heaven, the fullness, the economy of heaven. Father, let innovative ideas and witty inventions be released. Let financing come. Let empowerment, financial empowerment come. So let me just, let me just try to look at this and wrap up maybe in uh, five, five, ten minutes. Let me just try to wrap up. That the Bible says that he came into the world. His purpose is to come and save the world. He came to save the world, not to condemn it. Now you have an appreciation of what this world is. The systems of greed and uh, infected systems of demons and religious systems that imprison people. Like some of the things we are hearing on radio, where supposedly men of God, prophets, apostles, whatnot, witchcraft doctors and whatnot, will give directions will give directions to their, their, their people, tell them, go and sleep with your own sister, kill a human being. These are not prophets, but these are malams in suits. God says that he sent his son not to condemn the system, but to save the system. That is why you can confront every witchcraft power in the world and you will not break down. Because you are actually under the government of Christ. So that word to save is the word to redeem. 
And to redeem that necessary does not mean to create something new, but it means to rescue and deliver from decay and dying. It means to rescue or deliver from being lost. The, 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 the systems of politics and communisms and democracy, they are lost and going further into the abyss. It is a system that we fight one another. It's a system that I am the one with a superior idea and a system we undercut one another, we ghost hunt, we destroy a system of greed. The system of the finances of the world is a system of greed, a trade system, system of greed. It is that Jesus will save the system that is decaying and going into lust. It is to restore, to save, it is to restore to original state of existence what was lost before. So the word in the, in the Greek is sozo, to save, to save, keep sound, or to keep safe, to bring back into originality. So that if we come into salvation, we need to, that is where I'm going to end now. If we come into salvation, we need to begin to appreciate the essence of salvation. Why did you become born again? And I have a whole lesson on that, understanding the biblical um, perspective of salvation. And let me just talk about the bandwidth there, the extent to which our salvation can go. First of all, that word salvation is the word soteria in the Greek. It means peace, it means life, it means tranquility, it means salvation, it means to be saved, it means safety, it means soundness, it means deliverance, it means to be prospered, it means to be preserved. That word means that if I am born again and I need deliverance, I must get it. That word means that if I am born again and I'm not sound in my human being, I'm going to make you pray after this thing. And you have to destroy everything that is not making you sound. Some of us are bound by the system of depth that we are, we are in torment. We need to break that system over us and go free financially. We need to break it by its root. Anything that has bound us, we need to smash it. But Jesus came to give us this salvation and save the world in which humanity is inclusive. Turn to Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read this long passage at the top speed. And just listen to the vastness of the nature of our salvation. Listen to it. Luke chapter 1, the verse 45. The verse 45 down. And Mary said, Mary is describing the salvation of God. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Salvation. For he has regarded the lowly state. Look at what salvation is doing. He has regarded the lowly state. Look at what, what to be saved the world system is doing. He has, he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Salvation. To be saved. To redeem the system. If a system of a country, like a political system, is redeemed, every generation shall call it blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He's describing the salvation of God. And his mercy is from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Can you imagine? Can you imagine your salvation? He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. 
He has lifted up the hungry. There's no time to comment on this, so let me just read it. He has lifted up the hungry with good things. He has filled, sorry, the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our father, to uh, our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. The verse 67 down, just listen. Now his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the God of Israel, for he has visited and remembered his people. We are talking about saving the system. He has raised up the horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet, who has, who have been since the beginning, to perform the mercy promise to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he has sworn to our father Abraham. To grant us that we, being delivered, salvation, saved, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all the days of our lives. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you, have, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare the ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of sin. Through his tender mercies, through the tender mercies of God, with which the day spring from on high will visit us. To give light to all those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Remember, we talk about the systems of the earth being the system and the shadows of darkness and all. When, and I end here, and I want us to just get into prayer and we pray in the spirit. We need to break free. We need to step into the kingdom. We need to smash everything that holds and limits us. We need to smash. We need to discover the kingdom. And when we discover the kingdom, we become truly free. We become truly liberated. Your born again experience is far and wide and extensive than you have embraced over the years. And that born again experience is supposed to introduce you into the kingdom and you discover all the ramifications and di various dimensions of the kingdom. Unfortunately, like I keep saying that, the church has taught us wrongly and we've never discovered the fullness of our salvation. I've been saying this everywhere. I ask church leaders, what is the first thing we teach to believers when they become born again? How do we train men? How did apostles train men? How did Jesus train men? If we can find answers to these questions, it changes the dimension of life we throw in. For these are some of the reasons why the body of Christ all over the world have never seen the tremendous power that God has promised us. These are some of the reasons why we have never discovered the greatest exposure of the kingdom. May God favor us 
and show us his kingdom more and more. I want you to just pray with me right now. Just begin to pray in the spirit and ask, oh Lord, let the light of the revelation of the kingdom break into my life. Let me understand your kingdom fully. When I do the training on kingdom school, I will do systematic teaching. This is just introduction to kingdom school. This is just to give you ideas to kingdom school. And there's still more in the introduction. Pray, ask God, Father, give me revelation of the kingdom. Pray, talk to him right now. Talk to him right now. We need to break the systems of bondage. We need to break the systems of bondage. Talk to him. Come on, let lift your voice. Oh Lord, let me discover your kingdom. Father, as we connect everywhere, as families sit behind and watch this, as families sit behind and watch, the, and watch this broadcast and listen in, Father, let the kingdom break in. 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 Oh God, let the kingdom, let the kingdom break in. Fresh revelation of the kingdom. Mandoba Shibaronda Sigadoros. Revelation of the kingdom. The spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge. Pray God and ask God release impartation right now. Let me receive impartation right now. Let me receive impartation right now. Let me receive impartation right now. Gidi 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 baroleski darados. Come on, I want us to pray. I want you to just pray. Pray. Touch something in the heaven. Let a hunger be birthed in you. Let an experience of God be birthed in you tonight. Lord, give me your kingdom. Give me your kingdom. Give me your kingdom. Give me your kingdom. Come on, this evening I'm just releasing impartation. I'm releasing impartation as we pray. Because I feel virtue coming out of me. Lego de Gabrakaba, I feel some virtue, virtue to produce illumination, to remove every faxiness in our eyesight, in our understanding, in our revelation capacity. Lego de Bragade, Montadadarabashige de Gabro. Oh, come on, virtue is going out. Lindos Keprahadi Koto de Libresh, Manda da 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 bo, Zike teke teke te. Lord, 
Look, the kingdom is everything. The kingdom is everything. The kingdom is everything. Man began in the kingdom. If you take fish out of the water, ah, the fish dies. When you take man out of the garden of Eden, the kingdom is a disaster. We need to come back into the kingdom. There is a need to return to the Lord again. La subricado, zegado. Yekete de de a regede gedege regede gedeke lekopa ruzikiti matopre siprasto lekoski prakitis mozigidi kubade rokete kete kepede let virtue go out madubaragado 